you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. here. I believe God is going to do something special for us tonight. Amen. I want to urge you, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I want, uh, sorry, Monday night, uh, let me urge you to be sure to connect with Sister Chelsea and pick up one of the 40-day consecration journals. It will give direction for this season, this journey that we are on. They may have recorded. I'm not sure. They may have recorded. Did they record on Monday night? And if you will take just a segment of your time to listen, maybe about half hour it'll take for you to be able to watch through and um, get the information on what we are doing this year. Jump on board. Join with us. And let's see what God's going to do over the next little while. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Glad to have many of you home. The newcomers have made it back home from Florida. They've been gone about two or three weeks here. But glad to have them back home. Glad to have Gentry and Destiny back in town for a few days. Glad to have Dylan and Kayla home. They've been gone for a week or two. So we're, we're glad the rest of you are here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see people come back together. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 14, and uh, I'll start with verse number one. So Abijah slept with his fathers. In other words, he died. And they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. That's always a good thing to do. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and broke down the images and cut down the groves, verse 4, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. Also, he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images and the kingdom was quiet before him. With the help of the Lord, I, I'm, I'm not sure that this is going to be so much of a Bible lesson tonight because I feel that the Lord laid a word on my heart and I knew it was for this Wednesday night. And so if you'll preach with me a little bit, I might just preach a little bit tonight. And we'll just see what God wants to do before we leave here. Come on, give God glory and honor for his word tonight. Father, we thank you for your word believe, God, that you're going to accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it tonight. 
and we seek your face and seek your will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we honor you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to two or three people around you before you're seated, and I just want you to tell them you're an atmosphere maker. Turn to somebody else and tell them you're an atmosphere maker. Now, this is not a word of prophecy, but in the last few days, I feel like in most homes, you have been taking down Christmas decorations in your house. Am I close to accurate? I called my wife today, and she said, I said, what are you doing? She actually became very sick last night wasn't feeling well at all, and so I was surprised that she was better today, although we prayed and should have been trusting that God was going to heal her. And so she was feeling much better today. And uh, when I asked her what she was doing, she said, well, I am taking down Christmas decorations. And um, trying to get the house back in order, she said. Now, my guess is, is that how many of you have your decorations down? Well, I know, Cindy, yours went down Christmas Day because Dan takes it down on Christmas evening. Scrooge wants it out of the house. How many of you still have your Christmas decorations up? My goodness, wow. Wow, that's amazing. I'm actually kind of shocked by that, so... How many, how many have taken your Christmas decorations down? Whew, that's a pretty close draw, but I think more have the Christmas decorations up than have them down. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Well, I read today that January 6th is the traditional day in America to take down Christmas decorations. That's the day after tomorrow, right? So some of you are... I, who, who comes up with these dates? January the 6th is the traditional day to take down Christmas decorations in America. We're a little bit ahead of schedule, but I haven't gotten them out of the house, and I have a funeral tomorrow and counseling tomorrow evening, and so they probably won't get out of the house until January 6th. I, I have to admit that I... I like the feel of my home when my wife decorates for Christmas. The lights, most of the things she puts up is okay. This year she had something. I don't even know what it was. It's not a tree. It's some faux tree something that sets on a counter. When you walk by, it reaches out and grabs your arm. And then I pull it and everything on the counter to the floor and then I pick it all back up and set it all back up in place, go get the broom, sweep up everything that I broke, put it all back together, apologize to my wife. Then she comes in and says, what happened to my decorations? The neat thing is, is when you take all those decorations down, the room sometimes feels very, very empty. It's like, where'd all the space come from? You have space back in your house again. I mean, you have 47 trees growing in your house, and all of a sudden, they're gone. I mean, look on this platform. We literally had 40 on this platform. If anybody in here is preaching against Christmas trees, we are we're in trouble. The wharfs came. Some others came, Sister Cheryl and my wife, and they were packing and putting those things down. I think it took days to get all these things taken down, get them put away. The decorations in of themselves are, they're beautiful, but there is a purpose behind it because it is, a, it is an atmosphere that is created. 
I enjoy the atmosphere that is created, the lights glowing at night. It is the atmosphere of, of Christmas. And then when it goes down, of course, my wife is a very gifted decorator, and so when Christmas decorations comes down, um, the credit cards come out. And it starts being a new season of decorations. We always need more. We never need less. And so decorations begin to go up, and it's not necessarily seasonal, but it is the feel that she's looking for for our home. And and she does a nice job because that the, the look, the feel, it's all part of the atmosphere that is being created. And this is important because what's in the house and what goes on inside the house creates the atmosphere of the home. It's the music. It's the decor. It's the family, the smiles, all the things that make up and create the atmosphere of the home. Tucked away in 2 Chronicles, the 14th chapter, is a little story about a time that is very fitting to us. A famous king of Judah by the name of Abijah died and his son Asa reigned in his stead. And the Bible says that the land was quiet for 10 years. In other words, there was no war in the land for a space of 10 years. They lived in peace for a 10-year space of time. Now, in this day, that wouldn't be a big thing. But in that day, this was a very rare thing. This was the day of barbarians, people fought for their very own existence. Kingdoms were constantly being challenged. And if there was no war without, then there would be an uprising within. This time is so similar to the church that I could almost draw a parallel between the two time periods. When a few weeks pass with everything going well, nobody has received bad news. Nobody has been diagnosed with an incurable disease. Nobody's family's torn apart. Nobody's leaving or just a few more weeks than perhaps it's hate mail or someone upset about something. It almost makes me nervous. Because it seems that we can only go so long without something that sets us off balance. This was how it was in the days of the kings of Israel. So for the land to go ten long years with no war and no up uprising is noteworthy and makes the, the pages of the Holy Writ. Now verse 2 says that Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did that which was good and was right in the eyes of God. Let me say that again. Asa did that which was right. He didn't sit on the sideline and just let things go as they have been drifting. But he became proactive. The Bible said Asa did. Everybody say he did. In order to, to, to did, you have to do. <laughs> did is a past tense of do. You have to do if you want to have a did. I'm just seeing if you're awake with me. Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, meaning he was proactive. 
he engaged. He said, I'm, I'm looking and observing and taking evaluation of everything that is happening in Israel. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the people and I'm watching the kingdom in of itself and I'm, I'm watching all that that is going on and I, I, I'm watching all the things that my father did. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at those things and looking at the state uh, of the world in which has been created under my father Abijah's leadership and, and I see where we are as a kingdom and I see where we are as a people. Now it goes without saying that Judah has always been a special people in the sight of the Lord. Judah has a deep meaning for Judah in of itself. The very word means praise. And so Judah was always important in the eyes of the Lord. Judah was a difference maker. Judah was an atmosphere maker. That's what Judah was. It was an atmosphere maker because praise has always been about creating an atmosphere. And so Asa looked and saw what his father had done, but the praise that that Judah, Judah, what Judah had been. Uh, in, in times before and what Judah had, had done in its early days had now long been forgotten and now there is a season and a time in which the people had, had no longer served the Lord the way they had served the Lord before. They no longer walked the way that they had walked before. Now... Uh, Asa is is looking at Judah and he recognizes uh, somewhere along the way between the days of my forefathers and my great, great, great grandfathers. Uh, When I look back in those years and I see where we are now, I, I see that there is a great chasm that has been created between the then and the now. And things are not well right now. And so Asa did an evaluation and he looks back and he recognizes that there are some things that we are doing today that we ought not be doing. There are some things that are not right in the sight of the Lord. And so Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He said it may it may cause those who, who have reverence for my father Abijah, they may not understand the why because they were loyal. Listen, that was my father, but I'm not going to do what my father did because it's my father. But I, he, he never disrespects his father, but instead of following the footsteps of his father, Father, Abijah, Asa says, no, I am choosing rather to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. So for 10 years, the land is blessed. Asa was an atmosphere maker. He followed his father, no doubt he respected his father, He picked some great qualities up about his father. He was heir to the throne of his father. He now steps into a leadership role following his father. There was no uprising. There was no no battle within. There was no war. But Asa followed God over following his father. So Asa didn't make the same mistakes that Abijah made. But he chose rather to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So Asa, so Asa did away with some spiritual things that his father worshipped throughout his lifetime. 
Now I'm going to let that set in. You've got to follow with me very closely because you can weigh on every word that I'm speaking. Asa did away with some spiritual things. Didn't mean it was righteous, but they were still spiritual. It still could give you goosebumps, but it didn't mean it was right in the eyes of the Lord. Asa did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did away with some spiritual things that his father had worshipped and that his father had taught the people to worship during his reign. What was it that he did? Verse 3, the Bible said he took away. Everybody say he took away. He took away the altars, gasp. You mean this is right in the sight of the Lord? Watch what they were altars to. He took away the altars of the strange gods. Ah, my Lord. It wasn't that the people weren't offering sacrifice. It was that they were offering sacrifice to strange gods. They weren't offerings. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. They were offering sacrifice, but they weren't offering sacrifice to Jehovah. And so when they failed to offer sacrifice to Jehovah, he stopped being their Jehovah Jireh. When they stopped offering sacrifice to Jehovah, he stopped being Jehovah Shalom. He took away the altars of the strange gods. And the Bible said that he took down the high places. Everybody say high places. He took down the high places. That wasn't where they smoked marijuana. He took down the high places. That is speaking of governmental places of authority. He took down the governmental places of authority that had been set up, that had become corrupt to the ways of God. I don't know of the corruption. I I, I can't share with you the corruption. I I can't tell you if they were taking bribes or or, or if if they were just doing injustice. I, I, I don't know what it was, but there was an authority that was involved that Asa said, my father has established an authority that is not of God. Because everything that poses to be an authority is not an authority of God. God designed authority and placed spiritual authority upon his people, upon the church, upon the kingdom of God. And he designed it all the way from the top, all the way to the family. And he placed it in position. And that's why I have to stand in this pulpit and tell you that God has a design of authority. Anything that is out of order with God's design of authority is not of God. So he took down the high places. Can I preach to you for a few minutes tonight? In this day, we live in a day when the children usually tell the parents what ought to happen in the home. That's not God's design for the family. That's not God's design for the home. The design for the home is for the man to be the head of the the house, to be the priest, to lead the family in spiritual things and in all things. Come on, somebody. We need to place our feet on the ground. I'm not telling you that you need to be rude and ugly and mean to your children, but I'm telling you that you ought to love them, but you also have a God-given responsibility to lead them. In the ways of God. So Asa, the atmosphere maker, 
took away the altars of the strange gods. He took down the high places of authority. And he broke down the images. Don't make me preach on this right now. I may, it may be a little shift, it may be a little twist, it may be a little torque on the scripture for me to take it where I'm about to take it right now, but we need to move away from being so image conscious. Worried about what people are thinking about us. We need to get God conscious and worry about what he thinks about us. Not what people are saying, not what others are saying, but what God is saying about me. He broke down the images and cut down the groves. Now his father was king. He was the anointed king of Israel. But he had some ways that weren't pleasing unto the Lord. And those ways affected everybody that he influenced. Everything Abijah touched was influenced by Abijah because he was a king. He could just walk in a room and he affected everybody. Just because someone can be an effective leader does not mean they are a godly leader. He influenced everybody. So Asa took down the high places that he had established. He took down the governmental systems, the hierarchies. He broke them down. He took out, he broke down the altars that they were sacrificing and worshiping on. He took down the high places. And he took all of the idols that Judah had been worshiping and he took them away. Listen, sooner or later, God will bring down every high thing that exalts itself above God. And here's what Asa did. Verse 4. And Asa commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. He also took out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images. The scripture, it says the same thing twice here. It, it is so important that he didn't, he didn't leave any, he didn't just go into one city and do it. The, the whole purpose of that fifth verse was that he went to every city he reached to every city. And he took down the he took out the idols and he took down the high governmental places of authority in every city. And the Bible says that the kingdom was quiet before him, meaning there was no disruption. Listen, sometimes you have to break the mold and do some unconventional things in order to walk right upright before the Lord. This is where I'm getting to tonight. There are some things in our life, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. But then there is a way 
and it's a narrow way, and it's a highway, and there's few that's going to climb there up on. But on that road called holiness, there is safety, and there is there are some things. There's a place. There is a place that the lion can't trod, and that 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 that. That no ravenous beast can get to. Somebody in this house tonight needs to hear what I'm telling you tonight. There are some ways that we may need to put on the altar over this next 40 day season of consecration and say, I got to bring some high things in my life down and I've got to put them at the foot of the cross. I have got to break something. I got to find out who I've been following. I got to find out who has been charting the course. For my future. Oh, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord right now. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I may have to swim upstream sometimes alone, but I refuse to allow the humanistic spirit of this world and of this region to manipulate my life, my home, my family, this church, those whom I lead. I'm not going to let the spirit of humanism come in and get a grip and get a hold and get high and lofty and heady and built up and think that it is the authority. Every high thing must come down. I believe most people appreciate leaders who take a strong stand. You don't have to be rude and hateful to take a strong stand. Maybe I need to say that again. You don't have to be rude to be bold. I came to speak to the spirit world tonight and to tell you that the high-minded spirit of this age will break down and bow down or leave when a man or woman of God takes a stand because no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And at the mention of the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. He sounds like a coward to me. What you need to do is put your feet on the ground and declare, not in my home, not in my family, not under my watch, not in my church. Now don't think what I'm preaching or teaching to you tonight. Don't think that this is going to go down without a fight. Don't think that the enemy's going to lay down and roll over and play dead. Because that's not how he rolls. But there's no match for the power of God. The equal opposite of God is not Satan. Because he has no, you have more power in the name of Jesus than Satan has. Satan is not an equal opposite of God. In the name of Jesus, he has to flee. He has to run. And every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And when God speaks, every power has to listen. And don't, don't fear being opposed. Oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm concerned with what somebody may say. I, my friends, my, my, my family, my co-workers, those. Don't be afraid. The Bible has so many fear knots. Don't, don't be afraid. What, what are they going to do? Take your birthday away? When man opposes God's will and God's plan. God has a way of speaking a language that they will soon understand. I, I did, this is, I'm off of my notes right now. I had a young lady come into my office one time. This is many years ago. She came into my office and I gave her scripture and spiritual advice. 
on a decision that she was about to make. She walked out of my office and did exactly what she wanted to do. And that was okay. She had a right to do that. A few months later, the same young lady walked back into my office broken. Her life ripped apart. Devastation. I, I have to be careful about any details of this story. She sat in my office. My wife and I looked at her and we wept with her. And I'll never forget because I've heard other ministers and pastors tell stories like this. But it was the first time that I had ever experienced it. When she laid her head back with tears streaming down her face and she screamed at the top of her lungs. And she said, I will never go against the word of my pastor again. And she started apologizing and I stopped her. And I said, you don't have to apologize to me. This isn't about me. Right now, God wants to put your life back together. God wants to heal your wounds. God wants to fix you. God wants to put you back together today. She's a long ways, a long, long ways away from God. But I go back to that moment of somebody deciding my way is higher than God's way. This isn't about pro-preacher right now because I don't always get it right. But when God gives us clear direction in his word and we go against it, God has a way of getting our attention. Remove the idols. Take down the strange altars. Command the people to seek the Lord. This is what Asa did. He commanded, everybody say command. We approached this 40-day season of consecration very, very spirit-led. We approached this from a point of view of you pray, you hear from God, and you do what God says. We gave you tools. We gave you some things to work with and to work off of to help you in a daily consecration journey. We recommended that you participate with prayer, Bible reading, and beginning your day in your journey or in your journal, to touch it throughout the day, and then to come back to it in the evening and close your day out by finishing that day's worth in your journal and wrapping it up with a season of prayer and letting God speak to you and letting God say what he wants to say to you. That charts the course, your prayer today for tomorrow. And it is setting the course of what God is wanting to do in your tomorrow. The next day, that becomes your consecration point. This is what God spoke to me last night and this morning as I awake, God, I remind you that I still remember what you spoke last night. And so, God, I put it back on the altar this morning. And today, this is what I am consecrating to you. We are breaking down some strongholds. We've given you some tools. We have, we have allowed you to sense and feel and know what the, the Holy Ghost is directing you and what God is saying to you. Now I'm coming to you tonight and telling you that Asa looked at the people and he commanded them to seek the Lord. I come to you tonight. I come to you very humbly tonight, but I also come to you boldly tonight and 
tell you that if you will step up and you will listen to what your pastor is preaching tonight and you'll take the next 40 days and you will seek the Lord at the end of the 40 days, God has a season of peace that is going to come into some lives that you haven't lived in a long time. Peace in your home. Peace in your mind. Peace in your finances. Peace on your job. Come on, somebody ought to receive what the Lord is wanting to do in your life tonight. If changes need to be made in your life, whatever you do, do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And then it's up to you to make those changes because the atmosphere is up to you. I can't create the atmosphere for you. The atmosphere is up to you. Remove the idols. Take down the strange altars. Command the people to seek the Lord. You you can't have the right atmosphere with the wrong people speaking into your life. You can't have the right atmosphere with idols and strange altars in your life. I'm not giving you the right to become a bully. But I am giving you the right to put your feet on the ground and stand up and declare, not in my home. As for me and my house. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear what the preacher is saying to you tonight. The atmosphere of your home is up to you. You can't blame it on the church the youth director, the assistant pastor, the song leader. The atmosphere of your home is up to you. I need to get back to my notes here. Asa built fenced cities in Judah in a time when kings were building walled cities. They built fenced cities because the Lord gave them favor in the land with all the people and the Lord gave them peace. The atmosphere of peace was a product of him doing some things that he had to do. Does that make sense? The atmosphere of peace followed a whole list of things that Asa had to do before he got to the time of peace. Some people come in and say, man, I don't understand why in the world I have chaos in my home. I'm not sure. I think my microphone is going off. People say, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with with my... my family, I don't know what's happening in my home. But what do you have in your home? What is the atmosphere? What is the atmosphere of your home? What does it feel like? What does your home feel like? What is the atmosphere? What are you what are you creating? Because you are in charge of your atmosphere. And atmosphere is everything. Do you know one of the key marks of CLC through the last many years has been atmosphere? Do you know one of the key things that makes CLC what it is? It's atmosphere. It's hard to describe. I've had some of you even come to me and say, somebody asked me, What's so special about your church? And all I know to tell them is you just got to come experience it for yourself. You know why that is? It's hard to describe the atmosphere. It's an atmosphere of hope, of faith, of expectancy, of the miraculous. We come in not knowing what God is going to do before we leave. 
talked to Gentry about it a little bit last night, and I talked about the days when we used to walk into church and say there is no telling what God is going to do tonight. And we meant it, and we believed it, and we were looking for it, and we got up and praised and worshiped like we knew that it was going to happen. Listen, listen, the leadership gurus tell us that good leaders know when the season begins to change. Good leaders are able to sense a season change before everybody else sees it coming. I'm not suggesting that I'm one of those good leaders. But if I could share with you just a little bit about what I feel is on the horizon for this church. I have a feeling that some of our minds would be blown. But like any season, what I sense and what I feel will not be for everybody. It's going to be for those who create the atmosphere. Because here's the thing about the kingdom of God. We can all come together corporately and there can be an atmosphere in this church. But somebody can walk out and say, I didn't get one thing out of that service. And somebody else walks out and says, that's the most powerful service that I've ever been in. You want to know the difference? It was because one created an atmosphere where God could work in their life and the other walked out because they didn't create an atmosphere and they got nothing out of what God was doing. This is what I sense in this season for those who are building an altar, for those who are sacrificing, for those who are bringing some things down in your life, your home, and your family. I come tonight to tell you that God is getting ready to elevate you, to take you places you've never been, to pour out miracle signs and wonders. There's going to be testimonies of miracles, of healings, lost family being saved. Come on, it's going to come to pass. For the atmosphere makers. Come on, when we take the limits off of God, when we take the limits off of Him and we start seeing what He has in store in the atmosphere, there are some prophecies hovering over this church. There are some prophecies that are hovering over some of your homes. There are prophecies that are hovering over some of your ministries and all that is needing to happen is for you to create the atmosphere. The clouds are overhead, but there is something that's got to happen in the atmosphere for the rain to be released out of the portals of heaven and to be poured out. Oh, somebody give God a shout of praise right now. I see some things in the atmosphere. Give me just a few more minutes with just a few small changes. I believe 2023 is going to be one of the greatest years on every level for many of us. I want to speak to every ministry leader, to every member of this church. If your plans for 2023 doesn't have an outlet for reaching new people, you need to change your plans. That's why one of the challenges in this consecration journey is that you touch somebody every day, that you reach out to somebody every day. I had somebody come and said, I took the challenge. And on day one, I didn't reach one, but I reached out to two. I set up some meetings. I set up some dinner appointments. I said, revival is going to come. Revival is going to come to somebody. Revival is going to come to some home and some family. It, my, my God, if you'll get a hold of it, if you'll start making that call, sending that text, uh, having coffee, whatever it is, you will create an atmosphere for the miraculous to happen in somebody's life. 
haven't started yet, it's not too late. Just mark out 40 and put in 38. Start right now. Don't say I'm going to start next week. Right now. Right now. Listen, now I didn't say that everything's going to be peachy and go come easy in 23. As a matter of fact, you may have to fight. You may have a fight in front of you for some of the things that God wants to do in your life. I know we're starting a lot of new things. I know Friday night sounds different for everybody. Listen, it's seven Friday nights throughout the whole year. That's one week. For about an hour, there'll be a short, it'll be a shorter service. It's one Friday night. And this is not just a little teeny youth service. This is all church youth service. What we're doing is letting the youth know we're behind you, we're supporting you. We're here with you. There's going to be singing and preaching. There's going to be some youth things we're going to hear from some of the youth, but the glory of God is going to show up. The power of God is going to show out, and you know what's going to happen? There's going to be some ministries birthed. There's going to be some young people called to the mission field, some young people called to the evangelistic field, some young people called to plant churches and go forward in ministry. It's going to happen. They don't have to go to camp or to a conference to do it. It can happen right here on a Friday night. Because this church is a church of atmosphere makers. We're going to create an atmosphere where these things can come to pass. Pastor, is this going to come easy? It's not. It's not going to come easy. I'm asking you to clear your schedules, do the best you can. Try to be here. Try to be supportive. Some of you are going to be attacked. Sure you are. Somebody says, Pastor, what am I supposed to do when I'm, when I'm attacked? First thing, be sure you're in the right place for the battle. Because I don't want to fight the devil on his turf. I want to fight him in a place that I am familiar with and that he is not. Because let me tell you, the devil's not familiar with the altar. The devil's not familiar with consecration. Oh, come on, somebody. I won't be much longer tonight. I know you worked, but if you'll just engage for a few more minutes, I'm telling you that when we engage in what God is trying to do over the next little while, we're going to begin to see God do some things that we have prayed for and believed him for. Come on, the devil fights me. I want, I want to control the atmosphere. Because if you can control the atmosphere of the fight, the devil's off balance. We have home field advantage. That's good stuff right there. I'll tell you where I want to be when the enemy attacks. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be at the altar of the Lord. I want to be surrounded by the people of God. Because it's in an atmosphere such as that where the presence of God dwells because he inhabits the praises of his people. And when you create the right atmosphere, God will fight for you. Come on, no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Revival is dependent upon atmosphere. Miracles are dependent upon atmosphere. CLC, we need some atmosphere makers in this church. The Lord hit me with this about two weeks ago, and I began to pray and say, God, I want you to reveal some atmosphere makers in this church. And I started seeing faces and remembering experiences where people who are atmosphere makers were, were effective in, in completely steering and charting the course of this church. I go back to the prayer room on Delphi Avenue when I walked in and could hear Brother Dan Lytle's voice praying and booming and, 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 and calling for revival and calling for what God is wanting to do. I remember Brother Jerry Blackburn and his voice in the prayer room. He was an atmosphere maker and making a difference. Setting, making, come on, somebody. There's some atmosphere makers here. Who, me? That's right, you. 
It's easy for me to walk around here and say, well, uh, you know, a Gentry's an atmosphere maker. Well, sure he is, and Dylan's an atmosphere maker, and Sister Chelsea's an atmosphere maker, but I'm going to tell you there's some of you that have more impact in the atmosphere than what you could ever possibly believe because when you have an attitude of expectancy and worship and praise, it changes the course of your family, of your home, of everybody around you. Come on, we need some atmosphere makers on this Wednesday night to declare I'm not walking out of here until I create an atmosphere where God can move. I've got a lot more preaching to do, but I don't have much time. Dylan, you can come if you want. The altar of incense created the atmosphere by creating the aroma that was unique to things that are holy. The altar of incense. The mirrors and the laver of water and the gold on the many reflected places inside the tabernacle reflected the light of God and created an ambiance. The aroma Everything was affected. The atmosphere was created inside the room by earthly means. Did you get that? Before God showed up, before the smoke filled the temple, the atmosphere was created by earthly means. The atmosphere of your home is dependent on what you make it. The atmosphere of this church is dependent upon what you make it. Don't complain about what the church is if you're not creating the atmosphere. Come in Friday night. We may have smoke machines and lights, whatever they want to do that makes them feel youthy. I'll feel young with them. But that's all false atmosphere. But there is an atmosphere that prayer and worship, the operation of faith and the gifts that are all part of creating an apostolic atmosphere where the glory and presence of God dwell. I long to get back to where the presence of God is so thick nobody even wants to leave. All we want to do is just lay ourselves on the altar and bask in His presence and in His glory. He's willing. It's up to us to create the atmosphere. Doesn't matter to me if the worship team misses a note here or there. I want them to pave the way into the presence of God by creating an atmosphere. There's no amount of music that can create an atmosphere like prayer will create. Because the atmosphere that we create in prayer is unstoppable. Prayer summons the attention of God, changes things. Prayer changes us. It is an atmosphere that affects everything around it. It affects the prayer. It affects God. It affects heaven and it affects earth. Sometimes when we pray, if we're not careful, we'll get locked into a certain position of prayer. And our position of prayer will be that we weep or that we moan or that we mourn. All of those are proper positions of prayer. Sometimes our prayers got to be doing war. Because don't think that Asa didn't have to fight some battles to have peace. Oh, Asa had peace. He knew nothing about war. No, he knew something about war because he did war in the spiritual realm. He wasn't passive. 
As a matter of fact, he broke down some things that probably made some people angry, but he broke them down anyway, and he said, I'm commanding the people to seek the Lord. Tonight I come commanding you. Come on, this is time to create an atmosphere. This is time to seek the Lord. This is time to be an atmosphere maker, to say, God, before I leave on this Wednesday night, I'm creating an atmosphere. I'm bringing some things to the altar. I'm laying some things down. I'm breaking down some strongholds. I'm breaking down some idols. I'm pulling down some things that have been of high authority in my life. I'm laying them on the altar. Come on, this is a difference-making moment in somebody's life. Come on, create the atmosphere. It's up to you. It's up to you. Some of you that know how to do war in the spirit, you need to begin to do some war in the spirit. Come on, send some, send the enemy and put him to flight tonight. Take your hands off of my family. Take your hands off of my peace. Take your hands off of my finances. Take your hands off of my health. Come on, I exalt the Lord. I lift up the Lord. I raise him. I lift him tonight. Come on, create that atmosphere right now. Come on, you're an atmosphere maker. You're an atmosphere maker.
Come on, all over the building. Somebody just lift up your hands and your voice unto the Lord right now. Come on, all over the house. Somebody let it cry. Come from the depth of your spirit. Come on, there's an opening in the heavens tonight. There's an opening in the heavens tonight. Come on, let the Lord hear your cry. Let the Lord hear your cry. Let the Lord hear your cry. Come on, let the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to pray in tongues all over the building right now. Let the intercession of your heart come forth. Come on, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Somebody needs to lift up your voice to the Lord. <laughs> 